Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Witness Lee. Witness Lee was captured by the Lord Jesus as a young man of 19 in his native China. He consecrated his life to preach the gospel, and later labored side by side with Watchman Nee for parts of three decades, before eventually bringing this ministry to the West in 1962. He spent the next 35 years speaking to Christians in North America and all over the world before going to be with the Lord in 1997. The life study of the Bible is his most significant contribution to the heritage of biblical exposition, and we're delighted to be able to bring you short portions of his spoken ministry today. If you have questions or comments, or would like to find other Christians in your area enjoying this same ministry, just email us, radio at lsm.org. Again, that's radio at lsm.org. Here's today's program. The Gospel of Luke unveils that Jesus Christ was not just the Savior, but was the man-Savior. That means that he was both God and man, a mingling of divine life and perfect humanity. As God, we see many miracles, and it's for these that most people remember him. However, what touches us as we read the accounts in the Gospels is not so much the miracles, but the humanity that he conveyed and how he loved and cared for so many poor and sinful ones. But here is a key. As we consider this perfect humanity, we must also see the divine life being expressed through his humanity because this mingling of the divine life and humanity points us to the very purpose that God intended in his original creation. It sounds like a deep uh, and profound message. Uh, we hope that the Lord will be merciful and shine his light and make it all clear to us. Dick Taylor has joined us, and I want to alert you, it will not sound like Dick Taylor, because uh, you'll see as soon as he says hello. But Dick, it's good to have you back, and I appreciate you'd come in when you're not feeling that well. Well, thanks, Chris. Good to be here, even though I have a little cold. But praise the Lord for this wonderful incarnation of the man-savior Jesus Christ. You used the word miracle. I tell you, today we'll see the greatest miracle. This is the greatest miracle. Dick, I was going to uh, tell our listeners that as soon as they heard you say a million zillion hallelujahs, they'd know it was you even though your voice sounds a bit different today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dick, today and for the next several programs, we want to begin a review and development of really the four great topics that we saw in Luke's gospel, namely the man-savior's incarnation and living a God-man life, which is what we'll be on today. Second, the jubilee, uh, a real high point throughout this life study. Third, the matter of resurrection and the way it's portrayed in Luke. And finally, ascension. We'll come back to that again as Witness Lee was burdened to continue to develop these four points. As we mentioned, the first of these four is incarnation, and maybe this is best described, Dick, in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 14, the word which we know is God became flesh and tabernacled among us. Amen. Dick, as we'll see today, incarnation is much more than just the Redeemer coming to die for us in order that we could be forgiven, isn't it? Surely is, because this is a recovery back to God's original intention. Christ's incarnation is surely a high matter. We see from the book of Genesis, one twenty-six was created in God's image and according to his likeness. Man was created in a particular way as a container to receive and contain God, to be filled with God. 
so that he could express God. But we know the first man failed right. miserably. God's plan, in a sense, his intention was spoiled and damaged. So eventually, the only possibility was not God creating another man, but God himself in Christ becoming a man. Wow. And this man is what we call in this series in Luke the man-savior, and he was the first God-man. In Genesis, you see God created man in chapter 1, but in chapter 2, his intention was to fill this man right. with himself as life. But with Christ, when he was incarnated, he not only had the image and the likeness, but the Bible even says in Second Corinthians 4, he is the image. In Colossians 1, he is the image of God. And also he was filled with God, and he was God. That's why we call him the man-savior, the first God-man. What a recovery this is back to God's original intention. Dick, uh, I think that's a perfect lead into where we're going to be today. You mentioned Genesis. I'd like to read just a couple of verses here. Uh, verse 26, which you alluded to, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. So his original purpose has all together to do with these two things, image and likeness. Right. And then as we pick up the story in Genesis 2, really uh, most people think the big problem in Genesis was what Adam did, that is, sinning. But uh, really the big problem was what he didn't do which is what is touched in these verses in chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, of course, what Adam neglected to do was take in the tree of life. That's right. Let's go to Witness Lee. We know that the entire revelation of the Bible reveals to us God's building. So for this building, God had a design. He designed to have man, and that this man should be one with him. This is not a small thing. So based upon this design, God created man in his image and after his likeness with the intention that man could be his copy, his duplication. So image here implies a kind of capacity to uh, contain God. If man doesn't have the capacity to contain God, how could man be God's duplication? In Genesis 1, 26-27, you see God's design in making man. But man, in chapter 1, was an empty shell. There was no contents. So God, after making this container, put this container in the garden, in front of the tree of life, indicating that he wanted this empty man to take the tree of life as his contents. And uh, just by Genesis 2, we couldn't understand what is the tree of life, but by reading the entire Bible, surely we can see the tree of life, no doubt, is 
a symbol of God being life. In Psalm 36, it says, with thee, there is the fountain of life. Then in John, Jesus, the Son of God, came, telling us that he was life. Then in the epistles, especially Paul and John, they both told us that how Christ should be our life. Then in the last book of Revelation, it says again, the tree of life is the nourishment of the entire New Jerusalem eternity. So by all these, with the entire Bible, you could say the tree of life is just a symbol, symbolizing God to be man's life. So, in Genesis 1, you could see man as an empty container. Then in chapter 2, you could see that this empty man should take God in as his life and his very content. Well, Dick, in this brief segment, it strikes me that we have a, a synopsis of the whole plan of God and the whole problem with uh, the fall of man and what God is doing to restore uh, man and resolve the problem. We have an empty vessel before the tree of life. And this is not just a key to understanding, I think, this ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. This is a key to really understanding the whole Bible, isn't it? It surely is, Chris. Uh, Genesis 1 and 2 are surely helpful uh, to bring us to God's intention and also to bring us to the appreciation of Christ and his incarnation. So good to see that God created man in his image and with his likeness. And what does this mean? I like these words that Brother Lee used. This means that it gives man the ability and the capacity to receive, contain, be filled with, and become absolutely one with God. So the meaning of man being created in God's image and likeness is very precious. Yet man in the Garden of Eden, Adam, did not realize this, did not come into the experience, but rather failed. And God's plan, as Brother Lee mentioned, was damaged and spoiled. God's desire was to come into man as life and everything. And that life is just Christ himself, as we see through the whole Bible. But again, we have to say hallelujah for the second man. And I know we'll enjoy more of the second man through this broadcast. But this second man is a man who has received God, contains God, is filled with God, is one with God, and we have to say even is God. Mm. That's the man Savior, the God man, Jesus Christ. And this is the deep and precious significance of the man-savior's incarnation. God became flesh. Yeah, you, you picked up that term. I had uh, made note of it also listening there. He said uh, the image here implies a kind of capacity to contain God. Mm-hmm. Likeness is the outward appearance, right, right Dick? Right, but right. image touches something uh, deeper, doesn't it? It surely does, yeah. In a detailed way, we're made inwardly to match God inwardly so that what he is could fill us in our inward being to make us absolutely one with him. Early on in our uh, life study of Luke, it was expressed this way several times. We're going to come back to that now uh, today and beyond, and that is the divine attributes being expressed in the human virtues. Mm. Uh, This is something very much related to the image, isn't it? It surely is. 
Let's get back to Witness Lee as this is developed for us. What is God's image? The Bible does tell us that God is love, God is light. Then the Bible also tells us that God is righteous and God is holy. These four things describe God's image. This is our God. This is His very being. Man was made in God's image. The man created by God does have love and does have light. You know, we are fallen, no doubt. Even in our fallen condition, we had love and we had light. And we desired to be righteous. And we desired to be holy. So you could see God created man to have the uh, capacity of his love, his light, his righteousness, and his holiness. And these are what we call the human virtues. So God created man in this way with the intention the man would take him as the tree of life to be man's life and content. You know, if Adam would have done this, he surely should have become a God-man. No need to have a God-man 4,000 years later in the Jewish land. Could you follow me? But we all know the sad story. Adam, as the first man, he spoiled God's design. God made him according to his design. But after being created by God, Adam didn't take God as his life. Rather, he took another one. And that one damaged Adam. So Adam destroyed, spoiled God's design. So the very humanity created by God was damaged and in a good sense was lost. Dick, uh, he made a striking remark there. He said if Adam had taken the tree of life, he would have become the first God-man and would have fulfilled God's purpose 4,000 years before the coming of Christ. But, But we know that's not what happened, and we end up with a damaged and spoiled design to go back to how he opened the program, don't we? Yeah, that's really true, Chris. And uh, so what is God going to do? The design is spoiled, damaged. Uh, So God didn't create another man, but rather he himself, thousands of years later, uh, became the first God-man. That's our man-savior, Jesus Christ, because this wonderful, precious one uh, has the image and even is the image of God. All of his human virtues were filled with the divine attributes. And this precious God-man, our man-savior, Jesus Christ, when you read the Gospels, you are just captured by him. You're attracted. You fall in love with him because here's a man that's in another realm. Here's a man who is finally in the heart of God's intention a man filled with God. All of his human virtues, such as love, were filled with the divine love and expressing the divine love. And the disciples, meanwhile, were in contrast to him because, you see, they were always bickering with each other who's first, 
It's just a deformed, degraded humanity. But after this Christ, this first God-man, was crucified and resurrected and became a life-giving spirit, and he got into these disciples, then you see a recovered, restored, and uplifted humanity. You see a different group of brothers. Right. So with this precious Christ, you can see finally the recovered, restored, and uplifted humanity that's filled with divinity. And because of his incarnation and his being such a God-man, after his death and resurrection, now he can come into all of us who are his believers to restore, recover, and uplift us for God's intention. Dick, this is such a marvelous point. I just want to underscore it briefly before we go on to our final portion today because the contrast here, not just between Christ and the unbelievers out there, the Pharisees or uh, those outside, but even between Christ and the disciples. Surely these were ones that were believing in him. They were traveling with him. They were even in his presence to some degree. But the kind of living and the kind of life being expressed between the two, no comparison. No. The Lord is preparing to go to the cross and accomplish redemption while they're still bickering. Who's going to be greater? Who's, right. who's first? What a shame. What a shame. But by uh, the time we get to Acts and later on in the epistles, these ones begin to take on these divine attributes being expressed in human virtues, don't they? They surely do. So now we can see the significance of the man-savior's incarnation. Well, one of the things I think everybody loves about this gospel of Luke, the way these stories and accounts portray such a one, now we really are saying that what is being portrayed is God's divine life being lived out in humanity. And, uh, our brother will bring to light a couple of cases to somewhat illustrate this even further. Let's join Witness Lee once again. Four thousand years later, God himself, in the sand, came to be a man. This is too great a matter. He created a man, and that man failed him. So God didn't create another man, but he came to become the second man. The second man was not created, but he was conceived of the Holy Spirit to have the divine essence and born of the human virgin to have the human essence. This composition of the two essences, divine human, is a God-man. This God-man lived a human life filled with the divine life as the content of the human life. So, when she was living on this earth and loving others, it's hard to tell was that God's loving or man's loving. It was a loving exercised by a God-man, by one who lived a human life filled with the divine life. You look at the case of the Good Samaritan, and you look at the case of that sinful woman in uh, Simon's home, you could see there was a real human love, but not merely human love, but filled with the divine love. This was the living of the God-man. It was this kind of living that qualified him to be our man-savior. While this God-man, Jesus, living such restored, uplifted humanity, 
all the disciples around him lived what can humanity? A deformed humanity. A damaged humanity. Well, he was telling them, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be delivered. Man will kill me. And I will raise up on the third day. They were debating who is going to be greater. You could see two kinds of humanity. One is the restored humanity. But the other is a deformed, damaged humanity. And that humanity, after 50 days through resurrection, in ascension, was uplifted, restored, and recovered. My, in Acts 1 and 2, you could see Peter and all the others. They became another kind of humanity. They could stay in Jerusalem and pray perseveringly in one accord for 10 days. Another humanity. Dick, uh, these cases, he referred to a couple of them. Uh, Of course, we see Mary, the sinful woman that experienced the forgiveness and the love and returned it to the Lord as one particular case in point. The Good Samaritan, that story about uh, the Lord coming to care for this this one that was beaten up and left for dead. These expressions of his love, it's very hard to tell, isn't it, whether we're seeing God here or a man here. Surely. It's most unusual because it's God in man and man mingled with God. And uh, I like these illustrations of Mary and also the Good Samaritan uh, because with Mary, nobody wanted to be near her. She's, quote, unquote, a sinful woman. But our Christ, the man Savior, really loved her. And that love is not a human love. That love needs to be backed up, reinforced, filled with, saturated with, and mingled with the divine love. Otherwise, you can't love such a person. Likewise, the certain man who was half dead and beaten, laying beside the road. Yes. Religion walked by. Right. But Christ, the wonderful man-savior, God-man. Again, you see his love is human love, but it's jam-packed with, filled with, reinforced with, strengthened by, and expressing a love that has to be God himself, divine. Otherwise, you can't love such a person. So these two illustrations are really helpful. And then, of course, this wonderful Christ, after his death and resurrection, became a wonderful life-giving spirit. So that even his disciples, who were just prior to his crucifixion and resurrection, completely in their degraded, deformed, and corrupted and spoiled, damaged humanity, uh, once they believed into him after the resurrection and he entered into them as the life-giving spirit, then he, with his God-man living, became the dynamic power in them, affording them a way to enter into the same kind of living. It's man yet God, God yet man. It's the reproduction and duplication of Christ, the first God-man. So we see in Acts chapter 1, for example, these disciples now are able to pray for 10 days. Just prior to the crucifixion, they fell asleep after a few minutes. But now they pray for 10 days, perseveringly and persistently. How is this possible? It's because the first God-man, Christ himself, has now become a life-giving spirit and came into them to be their life, their living, and everything. He is the dynamic power as the very one living within them 
enabling them to also live the God-man life. So again, we have to say hallelujah for our man-savior. As we promised at the beginning of the program, we saw incarnation today uh, far beyond just the the first aspect of the Lord coming to die for our sins so that we uh, don't have to suffer God's condemnation. Mm -hmm. But it really unleashed this dynamic salvation in full, didn't it? Surely did, bringing us back to God's original intention. Thank you, Brother Dick, and uh, we stand with you that you'll recover from and be restored uh, from uh, the the little damage that you're experiencing right now. Oh, thank you, my brother. And uh, you're being with us today when you don't feel well. We certainly appreciate it. Oh, I'm happy to be here. So come back as soon as you're feeling better. I surely will. All right, and we hope that you'll contact us today as well. Uh, Our toll-free number, we'd love to hear from you, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or you can send email to radio at lsm.org. For Dick Taylor today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. We have these recorded studies on every book of the Bible, available to you online, free of charge. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. You can download the MP3 files, stream them live, or add them to your podcast subscriptions, all at no charge. Once more, the website, lsmradio.com. To contact us, send email to radio at lsm.org or call us at one triple eight life study that's 888-543-3788 thanks for listening today